Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're starting a new series today. We're kicking off a new series. It's called For the Love of God. And... Uh, it's going to be so practical. It's going to be so helpful. I, I promise you that. And it's all about why we do what we do. And many of you, you have jobs. I hope, I hope you do. And, uh, and uh, you know, you, you, many of you have jobs. And so you know what it's like in your workplace is that when people pay you, then they normally expect that you do what they tell you to do, right? Because you're an employee. And so the way that the world works is that, you know, you're paid and you obey, right? That's how it works. But it's kind of interesting when it comes to church. I mean, I've been a pastor for a number of years now. And one of the things that's really clear to me is that when it comes to church, uh, we can't make people do anything. We don't make anybody do anything. What's astonishing is that the church has existed for 2,000 years and in that 2,000 years, people have just given so much and nobody has made them do it. You can't force people to do it. And people willingly give up their time, their talent and their treasure. And in some serious cases, they even give up their lives and nobody makes them do it. Nobody can force them to do it. Well, why do they do it? For the love of God. And that's what it's all about. You know, the scriptures, you know, 1 John 4, 19, it's a really short verse. It has seven words. It says, we love because He first loved us. Isn't that beautiful? It really is in so many ways what the gospel is all about. If you're new to church, you don't understand how the gospel works. It's pretty simple, really. It's an easy message to understand. God loved people. Even when we messed up, and I'm talking about us in terms of humanity right now, you know, for, 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 you know, thousands of years, we just seem to not be able to nail this life. We kept messing up. We made mistakes over and over again. We couldn't live up to God's standard. God, understanding that we couldn't live up to His standard, sent someone, His only Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to live the life that humanity was incapable of living. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross to pay the penalty for sins. That is crazy. Why would he pay the penalty for sins? He didn't even sin. That's right. He paid the penalty for our sins. And that means that today, if any of us believe that what Jesus did on the cross, that he paid the penalty for our sins, it means that we put our faith in him. And when we do that, he does an exchange with us and he gives us his perfect record of a life in place of the mistakes and the broken ones that we have. He does an exchange. And that means that when we die and go to heaven and stand before the Lord God Almighty, as he looks at our record, instead of seeing all the mistakes that we've made, he sees the perfect record of His Son and says, welcome aboard, come right on in. And that is what we mean when we say that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Amen? Yeah. All right. Well, that's what the gospel is all about. And why did God do this? Well, it says that He first loves us. Now, that's the thing about love. Love compels people to act. Love compels people to do things that they would ordinarily never do. 
I remember, we're coming up to, you know, Sarah and I, we're coming up to, on the 10th of March, it'll be our 16th wedding anniversary. And so I remember, it's not hard to think back those years ago. And I remember uh, when we got engaged and I had decided that I wanted to surprise Sarah. So uh, I took her out for this nice dinner. She didn't know that I was going to propose that day. And so we took, took her out for a nice dinner and had the ring in my pocket. Actually lost the ring in the restaurant, found it, fell out of my pocket. Can you believe it? Under some guy's table. That was a bit awkward. I had to get it back. So anyway, I, I, I got the ring back, you know, back in the pocket. No, None, none the, Sarah's none the wiser and, and, and we had this nice dinner and I said, hey, we should go for a drive. I took it to the Rialto, what I'd done earlier that day as I'd set up this huge, beautiful uh, flowers and display, right? And, and, and there was like a, a, a bucket with ice and champagne in it. It was a card on the table, right? So I, I'd set this whole thing up. We get there. It's about, you know, maybe 10 minutes before the place closes and we're walking around and we come to the display that I had set up so that I could propose to her. And Sarah says, oh, this is beautiful. I said, oh, it is. And then she, 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 uh, she puts her hands in the bucket. She feels the ice. She goes, oh, my gosh. She slaps me, right? Oh, my gosh. What? She said, this ice is real. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's real. She goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If the ice is real, that means this is a real display. I'm like, of course it's a real display. She goes, you don't understand. It's 10 minutes. That means that what's about to happen is going to happen right in front of us. And I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> This is about to happen. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, we're going to see it. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> so anyway, I say, I'm going to read the card. She goes, you are not. I said, I am. She goes, you better not read that card. Like, it's 10 minutes. What if they show up? I'm like, they're already here. And, and so... <laughs> And so I get the card and I have already written it. So um, I start reading it out and uh, then I hand it to her and she's reading it. Now the card is in front of her face. So while she's, the, the card is in front of her face, what do I do? There are people everywhere. I pull the ring out, right? And she, you know, I'm reciting everything that's in the card. I know, I wrote it like a few hours ago, so I know what it says. So I'm holding the ring. And, and she pulls the card down. People are everywhere. The staff knew it was happening, so they were already watching. And I said to her, Sarah, will you marry me? And what did she say? No. no. She says, what? And I'm like, There are moments when you think, I don't know how I can make this more obvious. <laughs> if you haven't caught on to what's happening right now, no one can help you. How can I clarify this any better? I said, I, well, I'm asking you to marry me. And after the initial shock, she says, yes, of course I will. Thank God for that, right? And so the rest is history. Now, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that likes to make, you know, uh, big displays in, in, in public and all the rest, you know, but, but this occasion, it, it called for it. You know why? I, I'm in love with her. And love compels you to act. Love will make you risk things, doesn't it? 
It makes you do things that you would ordinarily not do. And I, I came across this phrase a couple of years ago, and, and it, it's this phrase that helps us to understand exactly what happens to us when we really love something. It's called the expulsive power of the new affection. It's a theological phrase or term. And what it really means is, is that when this new love, and we would say, you know, for God, but when this new love comes into your life, it's not that you don't already appreciate the things that you have, but that new love is so consuming. It pushes out and makes room for the new thing that you love. You know, and, and, and you, you just love that. And you get totally caught up in it. Love is all-consuming. It wraps you up. You, you, you're, a, you're not afraid to, to risk failure in the, in the face of love. It replaces fear. And I, I think this is why God said to Israel, and they said, he said, by the way, that this was his most important commandment. What's the most important commandment? But to love God, right, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And I think the reason why God said the most important thing that you can do is to love God is because if that thing gets nailed, all the other things will find their place. Yeah? If you love God with that kind of intensity, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, everything flows out of that. In other words, faith is not some exercise in academics where we explain the mysteries of what it is to know who God is. It's, it's not about that. It's not an exercise in academia. It's, it, it means you are fully engaged in this you actually love God. It's not a static relationship. It's a dynamic relationship. It's going back and forth, right? And, that, and people know this is what love is like, you know? What did John Legend say? All of me loves all of you, right? It, it, you get totally wrapped up in it. It's, it's, it's all encompassing in every way. And the point is, when we love Jesus like this, it changes us to want to be more like Jesus. Now, in Jesus's day, people noticed that this was going on. And they started to call these people that loved Jesus with this level and intensity, they started to call them Christians. And Christian really means little Christ. This started in the city of Antioch, and that's where they first started calling them little Christ. It's actually quite nice, you know. They say, oh, you're just like a little Jesus, you know. And if somebody said that to me, it was quite the compliment. I would take that, you know. And they said, oh, you're a Christian. Of course, Jesus' disciples, the ones who are actually following him, they never, ever referred to themselves, or at this point, they hadn't referred to themselves as little Christs. They didn't say that. No, no, no. They were followers of Jesus. How did they refer to themselves? Well, they just called each other disciples. They didn't call themselves Christians. They just said, no, no, we're disciples. And here's what a disciple is. A disciple of Jesus, and we're not just talking about Jesus' day. This is still true today. Is someone that learns the teaching of Jesus. Someone that follows the example of Jesus and someone that obeys everything that he says, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life that Jesus is calling them to. I think that's what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, to a disciple, they see Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And this is where a lot of people will mess this up. 
because for some people, Jesus is simply their saviour. And I would say when Jesus is a saviour, he's like Superman. So you're falling out the building just before you hit the ground. Superman, super, he swoops in and he saves you, right? Some people treat Jesus just like this, right? Or they're falling and just before they hit the ground, Jesus, you know, he, he swoops you up, he saves you. Now, he does save you and we know that, that works. So that, that's real. But if you keep jumping out of buildings and saying, Jesus, save me, Jesus, save me, right? I, I got to tell you that you're taking this relationship where it's not supposed to go. It's not supposed to work like that. Actually, if you, if you understand anything about this relationship with Jesus, it's that He also needs to be your Lord. And there is a big gap on the earth between people that call themselves Christians and see Him as only their Savior, and people that call themselves Christians and see, themselves, or see Him as Savior and Lord. What does it mean to really have Jesus as the Lord of your life? Well, I already told you the answer. You know, you, you, you learn the teachings of Jesus. You obey the teachings of Jesus. You do what He asks you to do. You obey Him. In other words, the words that He has and the words that He says, they carry great weight in your life. And you will do everything you can to bring your life into alignment with what the words say. That's what it means to have Him as Lord. Now, Jesus in His day, he would often throw down big challenges to people that just said that they were going to follow him. And there's like multiple examples of this in the Bible, right? But I think one of the most challenging things that he ever said was Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and uh, you don't do what I tell you? Why do you tell me call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you. Now, the Bible is, uh, it says it's living and active, you know, and, and we read the scriptures and it just speaks to us. Well, I hope that that is not speaking to me. You know, I hope it's not speaking to you. Maybe the person next to you, I don't know, right? But I hope it's not speaking to you because this is really kind of pointed, isn't it? So, so let's just refresh ourselves, right? If Jesus is your Lord, then you do what he asks, you obey him, right? And then I think, well, geez, like he says a lot of stuff. Like which, which, which are the parts? Like which, we have to obey him, which parts? What are the parts that we read and we put in our life? Well, he, he said a lot of stuff. What about, what about uh, like getting angry, right? Okay, so you're supposed to avoid getting angry. So if you're, if you're getting angry all the time in your life and you're destroying the relationships around you, you know what? You are not obeying the teachings of Jesus. You need to avoid that. And, and there's lots more. Like, you know, the stuff, what about lust? You know, like if you've got lust in your heart, you're searching stuff, you shouldn't be searching, seeing things, you shouldn't be seeing, thinking things, you shouldn't be thinking, right? What are you, what are you doing with that? You're, you're supposed to avoid that. Okay, so... so no lust, okay? What does it go on to say? Well, there's all kinds of things in here. Like, what about oaths? Yes, yes, tell the truth and make sure you stick to your words. So, so these are the things that we're, we're supposed to avoid doing this, right? right? Um, you're supposed to then also do some other things, right? So it's not just the stuff that you avoid, it's the stuff that you, the stuff that you do. So what are you meant to do? You're meant to love your enemies, right? And it sounds beautiful until you have one. And then you think, are you serious? What'd you put that in there for? Tell you what. We'll split the difference. I'll do 95% of what this book says, okay? 
No, 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 no. You got to do all the things that Jesus says. I guess that would would be what it means to really have him as as your Lord. You got to love your neighbor. Yeah, even though they're totally different. Well, what if they have a different belief system to me? Yes. Yes. Well, what if they don't think the same way that I think? Yes. What if they lean, you know, this way? Yes. Yes. That was to the left. Yes. Yes. Yes, we're supposed to do these things. See, you know, there, there are kind of two categories of sin. The sin of omission and the sin of commission, right? The, the sin of commission is the things that, that we do that's wrong. And the, the other one is the one that we're supposed to do that we don't do. And so when you start to look at all of these things, you think there's a lot of stuff in there. And Jesus, just to make sure that we all know who he's talking to, and there's no, <laughs> there's no escape He said one thing, one command that encompassed everything. And I'm going to read it to you right now. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and he said to them, his disciples. So I guess if you consider yourself to be a disciple, let's just imagine he's speaking to you, right? Right? Okay. Okay. So he said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of nations, not just people. How do you make disciples of nations? Well, one at a time. Like, honestly, how are you going to disciple an entire nation? You've got to start somewhere. He said, and, and, but such is Jesus's desire to reach the world. Why? Because he loves people. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching. Because that's something that you're supposed to do teaching them to observe. That word observe means conform to. It's really strong language. Teaching them to conform to all that I have commanded you. So what you've been commanded to do, you then need to teach to other people. And he makes you this promise. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Now, if Jesus is just your saviour, you will take what I just said to you as a polite suggestion for your life. Yeah. I'll take it under advisement, right? But this is called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. It's something that he asked all of his disciples to do, which means this is something that we're supposed to do. See, if Jesus is Lord, honestly, you'll make disciples. I thought when I preach this, it will be so quiet in the room. (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but this is an incredibly challenging message, but it's front and center in the scriptures. And boy, oh boy, do we need to pay attention to everything that it says. So, how did Jesus get, summarize all the things, obey all my commands? How did he do that in that one verse? Well, it's pretty simple, really. See, if you want to make disciples, first, you have to be a disciple. What, what, what does the scripture say? If a, if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Yeah, they put that in the wisdom category. It's just so obvious, isn't it? Yeah, if you want to make a disciple, first you've got to be a disciple. Otherwise, you're teaching people. 
What, what have you got to share with people? So, so I would say, and this is going to get very practical right now, that there are like three categories of discipleship, right? Well, we've put them in three categories of discipleship. I'm going to explain what those categories are to you. And this morning, what you can do is, I don't even have to ask you to, you will naturally filter the content of this message and put yourself somewhere in here. You just will. You'll be like, I do that. I'm not sure if I do that part. You'll do that naturally. So let's look at the first part. Let's call the first category me, you. Where do you make a start? Well, the first thing you've got to do is give your life to Jesus. Very important, guys. If you don't do that part, you're off to a bad start. But if you do give your life to Jesus, off to a flying start, you know. It's where it all begins. It's the foundation of everything that it means to be a disciple is to first give your life to Jesus. That's a very important part. And I find that a lot of people just naturally are able to do the first part, give their life to Jesus, right? Following it up, that's where it starts to get a little bit challenging, you know, day two. So if you give your life to Jesus, what is the next thing that you should do? Get baptized. Oh boy, that was underwhelming. <laughs> just thought that there would be a little more support around that. Guys, I don't feel bad. It's Jesus's words, you know. What's the first, second thing you're supposed to do? You give your life to Jesus, you get Because it's in the Bible, it's what Jesus said to do, right? Which is astonishing to me because it is amazing how many Christians will give their life to Jesus and not follow it up with getting baptized. It's astonishing to me. And there's all kinds of reasons why people don't do this. Let me give you some. Well, I came out of a movement where we didn't do that. I don't care. <laughs> See, I'm really big on what Jesus says. So who cares? I don't know what your movement did. But uh, forget about that. What does Jesus say? Like, honestly, guys, like, aren't we supposed to read this and just obey the teachings of Jesus, not the teachings of our movements? Right? So sometimes, I remember I had this conversation with a person a long time ago, right? This person doesn't come to our church, so it's not you. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that out there. And I said to this person, you need to get baptized. And she said to me, oh, I'm not doing that. I said, are you joking? Why not? She said, well, it's kind of embarrassing for me. I've been a Christian for such a long time, you know, and Everybody kind of knows what I do. I lead stuff. I do stuff. Don't you think it would look a little bit weird for me to get up and get baptized when I'm this far down the track? And I, I, I said, oh, so what is the issue that we're dealing with here? Ah, pride. Okay. So just to be really clear, are you telling me because of the pride in your heart, you refuse to obey Jesus? Just want to make sure <laughs> that we are on the same page. If you're not getting baptized because it would be too embarrassing for you at this point in your Christian journey because you've been following Jesus for such a long time that it would be too embarrassing for you to get baptized, honestly, I'm like, obey the teachings of Jesus. He said to get baptized, so you should do that. Ah, but when I was a child, someone sprinkled some water on my head. Okay, well, let's just talk about what that is for just a moment. Whatever movement does that, they call it baptism, 
but it is not baptism. It is not, don't obey the teachings of your movement. Obey the teachings of Jesus. Okay. So that is not baptism. What is baptism? It's a public confession of your faith in Jesus before your friends and family. It's an act of identification with Jesus's death, his burial and his resurrection. And he says that all of his disciples should do it. How are you going to go ahead and make that little thing that happened to you when you're a baby, how are you going to try to suggest that you had any part of, of that? They literally carried you to the altar. You couldn't even speak. You made no declaration. Your friends and family are just the people that your parents brought. And you're going to suggest that that was your baptism? Are you joking me? No, that's not baptism. You know what we should call that? A dedication, right? And it's not even you dedicating yourself. How could you do it? You don't, you don't know what's going on. You, you thought you were getting a shower. No, 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 no. What's happening in that moment? Your parents are making a confession to their friends and their family that they will raise you up in such a way to embrace the teachings of Jesus. Now, when you get old enough to make that decision for yourself, you stand before your friends and family and say, they said that they'd raise me. It's my decision now. I'm doing this. Now, I love you, which is why I said this. And if you don't get it by now, like with Sarah, I can't help you. <laughs> Honestly, I can't. I, I, I can't. It is literally that simple. All you need to do is deal with the pride in your heart and say, I'm going to do what Jesus said. So, you know, when I, when I brought this up in the beginning, it's like, oh, it all just seems so obvious. But we're at point two and it kind of, it's starting to get a little bit more pointed now, right? All right, well, what should you do after that? Well, not that these things are necessarily sequential, but these things can happen a little bit out of order. They can. Jesus can do whatever he wants. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. But after that, you know what you go for? Uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. That, that's what you want next. Makes people bold. You know, you start to experience things in your life that you haven't experienced for. You know, and in, in, if you look back and you read the Bible, forget the teachings of your movement. If you read the Bible, the normative experience of Christian people was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to speak in tongues. That's what they did. And it still exists today. Again, once again, overwhelming support this morning. What else should you do? Right? You should read your Bible. Mum, you've got all the right answers. God bless you. You should read your... Maybe that's why I've got the answers. You... Yeah, okay. So here's the thing, you should read your Bible. You should read your Bible. You should read it every day. And you should try to get that, His Word into you. It will change you and transform you. You know what else you should do? You should pray. You should pray every day. Now imagine this, here you are, saved, baptized, stood up before your friends and family, made a confession of your faith. Everyone knows that you're a Christian. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're speaking tongues. You read your Bible every single day and you pray every single day. You are doing so well. You go, wow, that's, that's pretty intense. That, that person is really nailing Christianity. Oh, no, 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 no. You've only nailed the first third of Christianity. That's the first part. You, you know what you did? So far, your Christianity is just about you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
on to the next category. Shall we go? Let's call the next category us. And what am I talking about? Church. Okay. So if you're a Christian, it's God's intention for your life that you become part of a church. Now, I've seen people that have sat in church and not been part of the church. They're just looking at the church. And even though they officially have membership, you know, across the globe, because we're all part of God's, what they call ecclesia, God's community of his called out people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's God's plan that you're actually part of the community in church. And then how do you do that? Well, maybe this is the next step for you. So step one, you know, join a church, be part of the community. Um, How could you go a little bit deeper? Join a small group. You know what? This is all biblical. They meant temple courtyards, house to house. It's all in the Bible. Join a small group. You know what's great about small group? You can ask questions. You know what's great about small group? People know where you are. Pastoral care happens there. Does the church care for me? Yeah, you betcha. It helps us when you get in a small group. Because then we know what's happening in your life. We know where you're at. You know, it's a, it's a great idea. You know, the other thing you should do, which you, you, you actually owe it to the world around you, is to discover your gifts and talents. Yeah. That's step three, right? You discover why God created you. And then, right, you, once you've got that, what do you do? Well, you serve. You serve God. You serve the church. When you love God, you serve people. Very quiet this morning. Well, since I'm, since I'm just on a roll, let's just go to the next one. You know, when you're a Christian... If you're nailing the, the us part with me so far, you know what you should do? You should give financially to the church, right? Why? Well, because it's in the Bible and God says that you should do it. And this is the one organization on planet earth that exists solely to reach people and to build and extend the kingdom of God. You meant to trust God with your finances, right? Now, imagine this. You're a person, you've given your life to Jesus, Okay, you're baptized, you set it before your friends and your family. Okay, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you read your Bible every single day. You pray every single day. Firstly, that would be remarkable for a lot of people. But then after that, you join a church, you're part of a small group. You discover your gifts and your talents and, and your abilities. You even serve in the church. You're rostered onto a team, so far so good. And you've made the decision recently to give financially to the church, okay? So far, you'd, you'd look at that person and be like, they are nailing this thing called Christianity. No, 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 no. So far, you have only nailed the first two categories. The first category was? Second category was? The third category is them. And all part of the same thing. Me, us, them. The entire scripture I just read to you is about sharing your faith with people that don't know Jesus. Because Jesus loves them. Because he's paid the penalty for their sins and their mistakes too. And his desire is that everyone should know who he is. Okay? So what should you do? You share your faith. Now, this isn't something, you know, in, in Christianity, what do we call people that are really good at doing that? That it just, they've got a gift for it. They've got a grace for it. They, they, they just speak and people just, you know, come and give their lives to Jesus. We call them evangelists, right? But can I say to you, 
that there is a huge difference between what Jesus is saying here and the ministry of evangelism. So sure, some people are gifted in that area, but this part is for all Christians. Guys, this is a pretty biblical message. What do we do with them? All right, so we, uh, we share our faith and we disciple them. That's a big part. What do we do? We, we lead them. We, we lead other people. And there are so many Christians that feel quite insecure. I have nothing to offer. That's rubbish. Do you know more than them? You should. If you are remotely, if you're a follower of Jesus, right, you, you definitely know more. So you can lead them. You've you got to be, you're a step ahead. So you've got something to share. I mean, to me, that, that kind of makes sense, right? What do you do? You live out your calling and you be a person that's completely on mission. This is the reorientation of your life around Jesus. This is no longer trying to graft Jesus into your life, but suddenly you're being grafted into what He wants you to do. He's the center and you revolve around Him. And across the world, and we see this more and more, there are so many people that just don't get these parts. Now, I've, I've discovered that believers will give up a Sunday and church staff will give up a career. But disciples will give up their lives. And that's something that we're all supposed to do. You don't have to be on staff to do any of this because if you really get what this is life is about, you understand that what, life is a, it's a mist, it's a vapor. We're here one minute, we're, we're gone the next. You realize this life, first of all, I am not my own. I was bought out of price. I'm meant to be a living sacrifice. You know the problem about living sacrifices? They crawl off the altar. Get back on there. What are you doing? Living sacrifice. Once you crawl off the altar, you're just living. If you want to be a living sacrifice, get back on the altar and start to realize what God has called you to. Now, if you have stalled in your growth, and this is, you, you see this all the time happen in church, right? I'm just not growing deeper. I don't understand. I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm praying every day. I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized. You know, maybe the reason why you're not growing anymore is because you just stopped at you. But that is not what disciples do. We're not supposed to live like that. Let me read a scripture to you, Luke 9, 23 to 24. The heading in my Bible says, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Jesus, I hope you come back next week. I promise it gets, it's, it's all downhill from here. Three conditions Jesus gives. Verse 23, and He said to all, if anyone, that's very encompassing, isn't it? If anyone would come after me, number one, everyone say number one. Let him deny himself. You know what that means? Laying down your life, giving up your time, your talent, your treasure. I mean, you're all in, like fully committed to this life, completely in whatever it takes. Number one, let him deny himself. Number two, it says, take up his cross daily. Do you know what that means? You don't just get to go to church at Christmas and Easter and nail this life. No, it's a daily thing. 
Every day you wake up and you're laying down your life all over again. I just did this yesterday and you do it again today. You just keep laying down your life. Number three, it says, follow me. What does that mean? It means that he's not just Savior, he's Lord. He's got to be Lord of your life. Verse 24, and this is where it gets really serious. Jesus' words. He says, Forever, or whoever would save his life. Do you know what that word save means in the original language? It means to refuse to deny yourself. Of what? Time, talent, treasure. Who, who, who does that? The kind of person that says, oh, I hate sacrifice. Tell you what, let's go for something middle of the road here. I will come to church, but I'm not willing to give anything else up. I'm not going to sacrifice my time or my talent or my treasure. You try to save your life. You know what he says? He says, if you try to save it, you'll lose it. And that word lose, it actually means to be judged by God in a very negative sense. And then it goes on to say, but whoever loses, that second word there, loses, it means whoever denies himself. So whoever does give up their time, their talent, their treasure, whoever denies himself, his life for my sake will save it. The second time you see the word save, it means eternal life. So what that really means is, is that if you lay down your life for Jesus and you sacrifice and you give and you read and you obey and you're Christ-centered, right? That kind of person, they get eternal life. You know what I've discovered about disciples? True disciples of Jesus deny themselves and they love it. They love it. I had a friend of mine years ago and I was working in recruitment at the time. He was an accountant. He said, hey, do you want me to do your, your tax for you? I said, yeah, great. He said, well, just give me everything. I turned over all of my you know, finances, everything to him. And he was going through everything. And he said, oh, can we have a coffee and catch up? I said, yeah. I goes, I was going through your finances and I, and I noticed this huge portion of your money that seems to be going somewhere. And I said, oh, I knew what was coming. I said, yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. He goes, where is this going? I said, it's going to my church. And he looked at me like I had drunk the Kool-Aid. He honestly, his eyes went wide and he thought, my friend is part of a cult. He's lost his mind. And he followed up with, okay, all right, is it tax deductible? I said, not yet. No, it's not, it's not tax deductible. And he goes, okay. And then he said, cause he's trying to help save me some money. So he goes, all right, well, do you have to give this much? Do you have to, I mean, they're not gonna know. Do you really need to give this much? Could you? Could you give less? And I said, yeah, well, of course I can. No one makes me do anything, right? Um, I give that money and it, to be honest, if I could give more, I, I would, right? Do you know why I, I do that? Because I love God. Do you know why I do that? Because I love the church. I love God. I love the church. And it's for the love of God 
that I'm so willing to part with things that other people are holding on to, clinging on to. I know, I've got the edge on them because I know this life is a mist, it's a vapour. I've got the edge on them because I know that what they cling to and crave for security, I've got in abundance and eternity. And so I don't worry about it. And what's my whole point to you? Well, here it is pretty simple. If you're taking notes, write this one idea down. For the love of God, make disciples. For the love of God, honestly, make disciples. You think about it, go, oh, well, do I have to? Do I have to really do this? I don't even understand that question. What does that mean? Do I have to? Do I have to? Do you mean, can you get away with not doing it? Wait, wait, what's the question? Do you mean, can I, let's get a little more pointed here. Okay. Can I still not make disciples and get into heaven? Can I still do that? Well, I don't know. Let me think about it. See, on the one hand, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So it's not based on merit, but His grace and favor in your life. That's looking pretty good. But then on the other hand, what did James say? I'll show you my faith by my works. So faith or works is the evidence that your faith is real. So I'm going to weigh it up. You know, I'm going I'm to go with yeah. You'll get into heaven. Is that what you're going for? Is that what you're going for? Goldilocks? You remember Goldilocks? What's she looking for? Oh, the perfect meal. Not cold. Not hot. What about lukewarm? What about lukewarm, Goldilocks? Oh, I don't want to go too extreme. Let's not get too <laughs> radical. That's wild, all that stuff you said. I don't have time for that. That's, that's ridiculous, right? Totally cold. I'm not doing any of it, right? Could we strike a middle ground here, like kind of a lukewarm position, right? Well, if you read the Bible, Jesus found a church that was lukewarm and He did not enjoy it. When He ate it, He spat it out. Oh my goodness. Are you trying to are you trying to Goldilocks this thing? You know, just kind of skate through, make it across the finish line. Like if you're standing before God and you're like, God, I hope that grace thing still really works because I know I didn't do anything on planet Earth, right? Is that what you're going for? Come on. Oh, but I had nothing to teach anybody. You're kidding me. If you're a step ahead, you've got something to teach. Not only that, when you disciple, you do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So stop making up excuses and get on board with what Jesus said. Do you know what I think our problem is? I think our problem is that when we think about the things that I'm talking about, we call these things spiritual disciplines. I'll be disciplined. I'll be disciplined. You know what? I'm going to have to try to rework my own vocabulary on this, but could we just get rid of the word spiritual disciplines and could we just replace that with spiritual devotion? Stop thinking discipline, start thinking devotion. Because when you're disciplined, it means you get up, you do it, you grit your teeth, you make it through, but your heart's not really in it. But when you're devoted, your motivation is totally different. 
I don't have to be disciplined to spend time with my kids. I love it. Why? I'm devoted. I don't have to be disciplined to spend time with God. I love it. Why? I'm devoted. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a real thing that happens in the lives of people that follow Jesus and they do it for the love of God. And it just makes sense. See, I I know that life is busy. We've all got so many things to do. Honestly, we do. Our lives are insanely busy. And I don't know about you, but you know, since we came back from our ISO experience kicked off this year, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm really busy, okay? And I love it. I love being busy. I'm at my best when I'm busy, right? But imagine if I get up to see God, I stand before Him, and He says, well, welcome to heaven. How did you go? Because I'm dead. How did you go? I say, well, let me tell you, I was flat out. There was so much to do. I had stuff going on every day. And he goes, yeah, okay, that's great. Now, the one thing I asked you to do was to make disciples. Just tell me, how'd you go with the one thing I asked you to do? It's like, well, I was so busy, I didn't have time for it. He's like, are you joking me right now? That was the one thing I asked you to do. And the one thing I said to do was the one thing you didn't do because you were busy, what, the whole way through? Oh man. And I reckon if I got to heaven and I have that kind of a conversation, I just feel like I totally messed up this incredible opportunity that I stand in right now. So if you hear this today and you're like, I get it. So what's my next step? I'm so glad that you asked, right? Well, if you've given your life to Jesus, you would then go and get baptized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you do to do that? Again, another great question. Go home, jump on the internet and register for the next baptism at Bright Church. You know when we're doing it? Easter. How cool would that be? Getting baptized at Easter. Oh, is there a better weekend? No. So do it. You know, if if you're baptized, right? Or even now you can start to ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Get involved in church. Join a small group. Discover who God created you to be. Serve. You know, give. Share your faith. Lead. Do all the things that God's asked you to do. Be a person that lives on mission. These things are not hard. Me, us, them. They're so simple. They're front and center. There's no way out of it. And a person that really loves God cannot wait for it. Can I pray for you? God, thank you so much for every person that's here today that says, God, I wanna make disciples. There's some things I need to do with my life. God, I pray that at no point in this message did they ever feel condemned, but God, I'm okay with conviction. God, I'm I'm okay if you come along and and, and speak to individuals and say, it's time for your next step because that's their spiritual growth. And Father, I pray for every person in this room today that Lord, we would not stop at me, we would not stop at us, but we would continue till we reach them. I pray God that we would be faithful, that every day we'd lay down our lives, that we would happily, willingly, joyfully, 
sacrifice our lives for the cause that drove you to the cross. We thank you, God, for this incredible opportunity called life. And we pray, God, that you would just bless the decisions of people as they even align your, their hearts with your Word and your Scriptures. I pray, God, that you would move fresh in their life. And I pray, let there be in the season ahead so much spiritual fruit in their life. And they could trace it back to the moment where they locked in and said, I'm all yours. I'm doing it. I'm willing to go without. I'm willing to deny myself. I don't want to save my life. I want to lose it for your sake. I pray, God, that you'd give us that conviction in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.